Good morning. My name is Marlisa, and I am really excited to be able to share the word with you this morning. You guys, up here, you have no idea how tiny this little brown thing is. It is tiny, truly. Okay, so let's just put the, the Bible. I'm going to sit this right here in Jesus' name. Okay? So, all right. Hey, if you didn't get a bulletin, I have someone available to get you one. Now, what you don't realize about these bulletins, if you did get a bulletin, it's really important because what we're going to be talking about today is being transparent. So I printed all the notes in transparent ink. So look inside. Oh, can you see it? Can you see it? Look, look at y'all looking. No, just kidding. Just kidding. It's not transparent ink, but the point still remains the same. I'm going to encourage you this morning. Some of the things that we talk about, we have some, we're all in different places in our Christian walk, and there are going to be some things that stick out to you that may not stick out to your neighbor. I just want to encourage you, there is a pen in front of you. Take down what applies for you. Take down uh, what the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Um, before we get started, I want to give a disclaimer. I'm going to give a lot of comparisons today about social media. Now, this is not a message saying don't use social media. You can find me on Instagram under Marlisa Harding. I'm there, okay? This is not about not using social media. It's not about the pros and cons of social media. But I am going to use it as a good comparison because it's something most of us have in common. Most of us have used or know someone or at some point in time have used social media. And when I talk about social media, I mean things like Facebook, Instagram, even YouTube is considered social media. If you have Google+, if you have Periscope, all of these things that connect us to people digitally, that's what I'm talking about with social media. So before I get started, let me give you some statistics about social media. Every one second, so I've been up here 45 seconds. Every one second, six, nope, 12 new social media accounts are started all over the world. Every second, 12 new ones are started. That means in one day, over a million new accounts are open for all kinds of social media platforms. It's a little mind-boggling. Here's one that's even more mind-boggling, at least to me. In one month, 3.25 billion hours of YouTube is watched. In one month, 3.25 billion. That's a lot of hours on YouTube. And then here's one. On average, a person checks social media or checks their phone for whatever kind of alert notification that links them to these online platforms. Every day, the average person checks it 17 times. 17 times of looking at my phone, did I get something, blah, blah, blah. Now, before you start saying, oh, that's those kids, those darn kids, you can't get them off the phones. Before you say that, those kids are in school. They're not on their phones. The highest average usage is between 25 and 54-year-olds. So that's probably most of us in here, 17 times a day. So social media and just technology in general is changing the way that we connect with people. It's really just changing the world for the better and sometimes for the worse. We can all think of news stories where we've heard about cyberbullying or kidnapping, things like that, that are a result of cyber media. But for the most, it's at least made people more connected. Not only has social media changed things, but technology itself has changed more than just the way we connect with people. Um, the Association of Psychological Science, I don't know who they are. I just want you to know that I'm not making this up. The Association of Psychological Science conducted a study they took college students, they're grad students, so these are probably people 22 on up, took them to a museum. In the study, they tell them, all right, in this museum, I want you to take notes, or you can photograph the items. 
so the people are going to the museum, going to the museum. What do you think most people chose to do? Took pho take photographs, of course, right? So then the next day, the people who were conducting the study, they gave the people a test. And did you know that people were less likely to even recognize things they photographed? Like they showed them a picture of it and people were like, I don't even know that was at the museum. Even though they had a picture of it in their phone. Not only could they sometimes not recognize them, but they couldn't even really recall certain details. But on the other hand, when people just kind of like gazed at them, just looked at them, like if you're at a museum that says no photographs, those people who didn't photograph, they were able to recall more specific details. So technology, particularly photos, and the ability to pull out our pocket, pull our front out of our pocket and take a picture, is even changing our memory. Um, what they go on to say is, it seems like in order to really have a good memory, you can't just take a photo, but you have to somehow interact with the item. So whether it's touching it or even just be in the photo or not take a picture at all, you seem to recall it more. Again, this is not about not taking photos. Take your photos, great, take your photos. But I just want you to get this. Technology and social media is just changing things. It's changing the world around us. So we're gonna do a little study here within ourselves. I'm gonna give you a free pass, okay? If you have a phone, would you take it out for me? If you have a phone, give me a free pass. I mean, some of you already got your phones out, let's just be real. So, take out our phones. Whatever social media you have, okay, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, I'm gonna give you 30 seconds. I want you to take the, I'll tell you when to go, so just hang on, just get it, get it queued up, get it ready, click whatever you need. I'm gonna give you 30 seconds, and I just want you to spend 30 seconds looking at whatever you normally do, whatever you normally do when you get on your phone, and go. Just look. Time's up, phone's down, all right? So now just take your phone and tuck it back away unless you're taking notes, like we're not gonna get it out again. Okay, 30 seconds, we browsed our phones, we looked through what we did. Now I'm gonna take a little poll, it's gonna be a silent poll, I just want you to think to yourself, okay? Your phone's away, here's our poll. First question, how many posts did you just look through? What's the number? Think about it. Is it easy to recall? How many? Give me, give me a thumbs up if it's easy, thumbs down if you really don't remember. About half and half, got some thumbs down, got some thumbs up. Okay, that's a good one, that's a good one, about 50-50. Here's another one. What were the names of the people who posted? Can you recall the names of all the people who posted that you looked at? Give me a thumbs up if you can. Give me a thumbs down if you're like, I don't know, I'm just looking at pictures. All right, this time we got more thumbs down. The same is true for me. I'm gonna be honest with you. I scroll through Instagram, and sometimes I look at the same picture 12 times and laugh 12 times because I forgot I already saw it, right? We're just, we're paying that little attention, and, and that's okay because let's be honest. Regular life can be difficult, and social media is nice because we can kind of like get away from it, right? Take a moment, turn our brain off, scroll through, look at pins, you know, ooh, I'm gonna make this recipe, or ooh, I'm gonna do that workout, or oh, look at them at the beach, or oh, look at my kids, they're so cute, we put a filter on it. It's nice, it's just a nice little break away from reality. We're not too in depth. Now, some people are really in depth, okay? 
But for the most part, we're just taking it, it's like a fun thing, like a relaxation thing. And then when real life comes calling, or if you're like me, like when the school bell rings, the kids are back in my door, okay, put my phone away, right? Back to reality, back to real world. For the most part, we don't really ponder, we don't really reflect, we don't really ask questions of what we just saw. We're just scrolling through. Now, I'm going to talk to everybody, but my ladies, I think you're going to be able to relate to this. Sometimes people take photos, and I'm in them, and I didn't realize, and I look a mess, right? Like, I didn't know that picture's being taken. Then they put it on social media. And so you know what I do? I just scroll past it like I never saw it. That is not me, and I just keep going. I just keep going, right? And then if it's really a bad photo, like if you're using um, Instagram or Facebook, you can just untag yourself. Like, nobody needs to know that's me. Let me just take my name right off of that. Right, so we can pretend like some things really aren't there because we're not really super focused and super in tune with social media. It's fun, it's lighthearted, and if we want, like when we just scroll past images we don't like or when we untag ourselves, if we like, we can avoid things that make us uncomfortable. Like, I don't wanna stare at that picture of myself with that big zit on my forehead. I'm just gonna scroll past it. That's just real life, that's just me, okay? But here's my question, here's what we're gonna get into today. today. Is it possible that the way we interact with social media, the carefree nature, the scrolling past, the putting filters on pictures that aren't so cute, but this picture makes my double chin less, so I'm gonna put a filter on it, right? Is it possible that we take that same relationship that we have with social media and then bring it into our relationship with God? That's what we're gonna talk about today. Is it possible that sometimes When we come to our time with God, you know, our one-on-one time, our time of study and our time of devotion, is it possible that there are some areas that we put a filter on with God we don't want to talk about? Is it possible that there are some pictures of us, certain areas in our life that are just such an ugly picture that we just scroll past it? We don't even give him a chance to talk about it. Is it possible? I'm going to go ahead and say, I know it is for me. So if it's not for you, hey, forget what I'm talking about. But I'm just going to talk to myself. This is coming from me. I know in my life there are places where I just would rather scroll scroll past that God. Like let's just just go back to cute pictures of fat babies because fat babies are so cute, right? Let's just go back to that. But the problem with that, when we take the way that we interact with social media and we bring it to our relationship with God, the problem is we then begin to put up some barriers And then we have a lack of depth in our relationship with God. And the whole purpose of the cross, the whole purpose of Jesus coming and dying was so that that fellowship could be completely restored, wholly restored, so that we could have intimacy. In fact, David in Psalm, and we're going to talk a lot about David this morning. In fact, David is like, he, well, He's talking to God and he says, you know, God, what is it that even angels are jealous of how much you love these humans? What is it about these humans, God, that you love so much? We were created for this intimate fellowship. But sometimes, at least I know, I do, we just can, I'm going to put a filter on that God, didn't really happen. I'm going to scroll past that God, don't really want to talk about it today. Today I'm going to talk with you about being transparent with God, all the way transparent. Again, I'm not saying anything bad about putting filters. Please put filters on your photos if you love them. Great. You're so cute. Okay? This is not about that. But the fact is, on social media, we're not very transparent. We get to construct this image of ourselves. 
But with God, he wants it all. He wants us to be transparent. Um, if we can look in Psalm 139, 16. Now, I'm gonna be using a variety of translations, so you feel free to turn there, but Christian's gonna have them up here for you. Psalm 139, 16, <clears throat> in the New Living Translation. It says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So here's the thing. We can come to God and we can put on our filters. We can untag ourselves, so to speak, in certain areas. But at the end of the day, God already knows. He already knew the whole picture. Before you were even born, he knew what a mess you may get into. That's kind of frightening, but also kind of lovely. Like, man, you know what a fool I can be, and you still want this close relationship? That's a good God. Now, we're gonna talk this morning a lot about David, and David penned this psalm, okay? Psalm 139, a lot of the psalm, in fact, but we're gonna say a lot in this one. David wrote many of them, not all of them. And if you know anything about David, one thing you may know is that he's been called a man after God's own heart. And probably at some point in time in your Christian walk, maybe you've heard that and you said to myself, I would like to be a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart. Like a lot of us can say, that's my heart's desire. That's what David was. But did you know, not only was David a man after God's own heart, but David was also a mess. He, I mean, like, like a mess, like a mess. So here's some things in my study of David. Um, First and second Samuels and Chronicles, they kind of read like a historical biography of David. He didn't actually write them, but these are the accounts of David's life. And as you read through these, you see several things about David that are a mess. Like, oh, my notes, I have capital M-E-S-S, a real mess. Some might say a hot mess, okay? It's a mess. Here's some of the things that you see about David. He has a problem with lust. He has problems in his marriage. He has daddy issues. He has dysfunctional kids. He's seeped in political corruption. He has a tendency to manipulate people. He's got an issue with pride. I mean, really, the list seems to be endless of his mess. But still, somehow, in the midst of this mess, he still ends up being called a man after God's own heart. As I was getting my notes together, when I was reading about, okay, David, you're, I mean, you're acting a fool, but you're a king, and God loves you, and then you act a fool, and you're a king, and God loves you. It kind of reminds me um, of Johnny Manziel, right? So Johnny Manziel, if you don't know who he is, he's a football player, um, really, really talented, um, and he is a fool. Like, he just parties hard. His agent, like, dismissed him, like, you're just too crazy. He's really, really talented, He's also really, really rich, and it has nothing to do with the NFL. Like, he just came from money, and he is a fool. In fact, a lot of times um, on my Explore page, funny things about Johnny Manziel will come up. Like, his coach will say, okay, no more partying. And then you'll see a photo of him, like, in a ball pit. Why are you in a ball pit? You're a grown man with a drink in his hand, you know, like, surrounded by people. Like, like he just doesn't care. He's a mess, and he lets it all hang out. David was kind of a mess, too, like this. In fact, if David had social media, there's a lot of things he would probably want to scroll past, just a lot of mess that he really wouldn't want to get real with. But here's the thing about David. So we've got Chronicles and Samuel. Here's his mess. Then we've got Psalm. And a lot of Psalm is written like you could compare it to a diary. A lot of Psalm is David 
in the midst of his mess, pouring out his heart to God, which is interesting. Because I don't know about you, because, because I have a tendency in the midst of my mess to just be like, okay, let me have a safe day. Okay, amen. Like, that's it. I don't really want to get into the mess. But David's a little bit different. David is transparent. So what we're going to look at today is a couple of things. What is it about David that makes him so wonderful? What is it about David that made God so love him? Christian, would you put that one back up for me, Psalm 139, 16? Okay, so you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. It seems like David is saying here, God, every day of my mess, you know about it. So who am I to come to you and pretend like it's not there? Who am I to just scroll past it? Because you already know. Number one, if you're taking notes, I would take this down. Number one, what made David so lovely to God? He got real with God regularly. Regularly. He's just laying it in front of God. Here's my mess. You already know about it. Here it is. I'm not pretending like it doesn't exist. David got real regularly with God. Christian, if you'll put up Psalm 139.1. This is the same chapter, and, and David has written this one. Another thing David says is, O oh Lord, he acknowledges this, O oh Lord, you have searched me, and you have known me. Again, remember, these are all things David is writing in the midst of his mess. He's being transparent with God in the midst of his mess. That word searched right there, in the Hebrew, it means, oh God, you have penetrated me. Oh God, you have examined me. Oh God, you have intimately found out details. If you're taking notes, the second thing that David did was he acknowledged that there's no hiding from God. Even if I put these filters on, even if I come to you, God, and in my prayer time, I just scroll past the hard parts, it doesn't matter. David acknowledged that there was no hiding because God has examined him. God intimately knows him. I like in this scripture, if you'll put that one back, there, back up there, Psalm 139.1. That word known in the Hebrew, it means comprehend with certainty and sureness. So he's saying, oh Lord, you have examined me, you have penetrated me, you intimately know me, and you comprehend me with certainty and sureness. There's no hiding. There's no hiding in David's heart. He just lays it out. The third thing, I only have three. I mean, I have some more points, but three right now. The third thing that made David such a man after God's own heart is he recognized that not only was God the only one who knew him, but he also recognized that it's only through God that he could truly know himself. It was only through God that he could truly know himself. I have it written up there. Without God, he couldn't truly know himself. Now, I don't, I don't know about <clears throat> you, 
But truth be told, sometimes my heart, my emotions, my feelings, you know, on Monday, they could be in Alaska. On Tuesday, they can be in Texas. On Wednesday, they can be in Florida. And on Friday, they could just be in my bed, right? Heart, feeling, emotions, they can be all over the place. Our heart and our emotions are not reliable is what I'm saying. And David knew this. Now, before I show you what David said, Christian, will you put up Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10? Now, here's something you need to know about your, about your heart. And, and, and this is the Bible. I'm not telling you that you're bad. This is the Bible. Our heart, the way it is, our emotions, our feelings, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. So the thing is, as well-intentioned as we can be, our hearts and our emotions are just not always reliable. Christian, we put it up in the message. I love this version. The heart, and we're talking about feelings and emotions, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. I like that one. That's the message, y'all. That's not me. That's the message. So David, let's get back to him. He's this man after God's own heart. And the thing that he recognizes, God, I cannot trust my own heart. I need you to reveal to me what is going on. I need you to clean up this heart. I need you to direct me. Let's look at Psalm 26 too. I'm gonna show you this. These are David's words. Again, in the midst of his mess, here's what he says. Examine me, O Lord. He's opening up. Prove me. Try my reins and my heart. David did not rely on his own natural feelings and his own natural inclinations. He recognized, God, I need you to do something about this heart. I need you to clear this thing up. Um, I wanna give you some more definitions because these, these words are cool. Um, this word examine in the Hebrew actually means like investigate. So if you think about an investigation, all, I mean, there are so many details and steps that go into a thorough investigation. And David is saying, God, you can go through every step with me, whatever it takes. Pick through every file, pick through every thought, pick through every emotion, God, you can investigate me. This word right here, try, now that's a really simple word, and, but it means something very different in Hebrew. When he says, try my reins and my heart, he says, purify, purify. So he's saying, God, here I am, pick through all my files, now purify me, clean up those things that don't belong. And then this word, reins, I, I love this word because it's not, it's in the New King James Version and it depends on what year of the King James Version you get. Like if you get one that was copyrighted 89 and you get like, it, it's, this word's not everywhere. But in my translation, when you look up reigns, that's in like the oldest version. That word reigns, it's figuratively like a horse. But the word reigns, when he says, try my reins, he says, purify my interior self. So he's inviting God to come all the way in. I think about reins, right? Like you turn the horse and, and um, it makes the whole horse's being turn. And so David is saying, God, with all of me, you can have it all, every motivation, every thought, everything. I want you to clean it out. 
I want you to purify. And I believe here in Psalms 26 too, we kind of get to really the heart of David's relationship with God. You see, David, yes, he came to God and he asked God for things. Like sometimes he would say, um, God, kill them, they're after me. I mean, he really says this a lot. And then sometimes he'll say, um, <clears throat> God, give me clean hands and give me a pure heart. And he comes before God. And sometimes he just praises God. So we see that in his relationship, he has all these, these um, it's not just a gimme, 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 gimme kind of relationship with God when he's talking to him. And he does something very special. And, and we see this in a lot of his prayers. Christian, um, would you put up that version of Psalms 26 too, but the one that has the parts on it, Okay. When I studied this out, I noticed David kind of had this two-part relationship with God. He's this two-part prayer. And it kind of worked like this. Part one was where he says, examine me. So he opens up. He says, investigate me. Show me what's wrong. I give you full access. Part one is his part. He's opening up. And then part two, he invites God to do his part as far as cleaning him out purify him, making things right. Aren't you glad you don't have to do part two on your own? Have you ever tried to do part two on your own? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like trying to just clean myself up in my, with my own good intent, it just doesn't work. It's failure after failure after failure. And David sees this. He gives it to God. He says, okay, God, I'm opening up. Here I am. And now you do your part. I'm trusting you to do your part. Christian, I have that, that slide that kind of explains one and two, if you'll put it up. So here's part one. Here I am, messing all, no hiding. Look carefully. Here I am, God. Here's all my, my ridiculousness. Because we can be so ridiculous, right, as humans? So ridiculous. And then part two, he says, but with all this mess, God, clean me. Fix me. Show me the way to go. Show me the right way. Again, part one. It's what we got to do. Take the filters off. Don't scroll past the bad parts. And then part two, letting God do his part. I'm going to show you it's not just in Psalms 26, but also in Psalm 139. If you'll put up the one in the New King James Version, he, do, he does it again. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. So part one, he says, God, here I am. Hey, 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 here I am. I'm not pretending. And then part two, he says, lead me in the everlasting. He gives it to God. He says, God, you show me, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And then I wanna show you guys this one in the message. I, I, this is probably my favorite scripture, I think. I think, it changes. Here it is, investigate my life, oh God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. That's part, that's part one. I'm opening up. Here's the, here's the big book. No filters. All my ugly pictures. Zit and all. And then he says, after you do all that, God, guide me on the road to eternal life. Two parts. Here I am. And now God change me. No pretending. No filters. And now here's the thing. The whole purpose of this is not for perfection because we know we never reach that. We, we're continually being sanctified. We're continually being uh, made holy. We're never going to reach perfection. But the purpose is for closer intimacy with a father who loves you. Closer intimacy with a God who sacrificed his son. 
That's the whole point. It's not to say, oh, I got it together, because let's just be real. Like, we never really get it together. But so that time with God can be sweeter. So that time in the Word, there can be more revelation because there's more openness. There's more intimacy. The point is not perfection. The purpose is intimacy. So we know we've got two parts. Christian, will you put that two-part slide back up for me? Part one, your job. Open up. No more filters. Part two, God's job. So we're going to change gears here for a second. We're going to talk about, well, how does God do his part? Okay, you're saying, Marlisa, yeah, I get it. I need to open up. I need to not hide. I need to not scroll past things. But how does God do this? I'm about to get really, really practical with you. Really practical. One way that God does his part is through his word. For every moral dilemma, I mean, we live in a world that is always changing, right? Laws are changing, rules are changing, this is changing, that is changing, and it seems like the moral compass is always shifting this way and then back that way. For every moral dilemma that we may be going through within ourselves, the word almost always has the answer. Now, it may not be concrete. You may have to study it out. But for the most part, God is pretty clear. This is sin. This is holiness. This is right. This is wrong. I mean, for moral things. So, um, Christian, let's look at Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. There is something about getting in that Bible. There is something that getting in the word that just starts to clean out some areas. Areas you may not even realize were an issue. Like, sometimes I'll read through Proverbs, and I was like, huh. Maybe I am a fool sometimes, God, because <laughs> I see it right there, right? He cleans us out with his word. I love that. I'm washed by the cleansing of God's words, like, ah, all fresh. Let's look at James 1, again, about the word. We can find answers in the word. This is kind of a long one. Follow along with me as I read this one. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You know, when you look into the word, you see yourself the way God sees you. You see your circumstances the way that God sees them. But not only do we need to look in it, not only do we need to listen, we have to what? We have, we have to do it. So again, this is really, really practical. How does God do his part? One way is through the word. The word will wash you and the word will show you yourself as you truly are. Another thing, really practical, one way that God will do his part in cleaning you out is through the work of the Holy Spirit. So thankful for the Holy Spirit. If you do not have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you are missing out. You're missing out. Now, and now, and let me say this. Not if you don't have a relationship. If you haven't developed it and strengthened it. Because when we get saved, we all have the Holy Spirit. He's a seal. But then, as you begin to listen and follow his instruction, it becomes easier to hear his guidance. And let's just be honest. There are some decisions that we come to that are not clearly marked out in the word. Maybe, should I take this job or not? Should I move or not? 
Should I have this relationship or not? And that's where the Holy Spirit comes into play, having that intimacy with him, being able to hear him. That's how God does his part with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at John 16, 7. Again, I'm using all kinds of translations. That's why I'm not, not, you know, I don't have them printed out for you because they're all over. I like these. It says, this is Jesus talking. He says, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. So he's preparing his disciples for when he's going to be crucified and when he's going to ascend to heaven. He says, it's for your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. Who? Who? I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. For all things that are non-moral things that the Bible doesn't have marked out like this is sin, this is not sin, just for our daily dilemmas and the, the challenges that life brings, we have the Holy Spirit to be our counselor whom we can talk to and he can talk back and say, that's crazy, this is not, right? We have a strengthener in the Holy Spirit. For when we feel too weak to do what God says, we have the Holy Spirit to empower us. We have an advocate. That word advocate means lawyer. So when the enemy is telling me, you're telling you, you're never going to be clean. You're never going to be right. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, he says, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. God's working in you. We have an advocate. For all things non-moral, we have the Holy Spirit. Let's look at 1 John 2, 27. Here's another one about the Holy Spirit. This is how God does his work in us. But you have received who? Who? And he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Now I need to put a disclaimer on this one. This one is not saying there's no need to um, go to school, right? This is not saying there's no need to get training. But there are some things where you, you don't have to ask your pastor or you don't have to consult a book. The Holy Spirit will just tell you. He'll prompt you. Yes, that's right. No, that's not right. And you can trust that prompting because it is the truth. For moral issues, we've got the word. We can look in the word and it shows us what to do. For non-moral issues, we've got the Holy Spirit and he will teach you which way to go. He will teach you how God wants to clean you out. Now, one last thing. I know that what I'm talking about is easier said than done. I know that. Because the thing that we want to scroll past, you know, the picture that's ugly it doesn't look the same for all of us. For some people, it's an emotional wound that hasn't healed, that we just don't want God to deal with because we're wrapped up in it. For some of us, it can be addiction. For some of us, it can be crippling anxiety and depression. For some of us, it can just be sin. We know the Bible says don't do it, and we do it. For some of us, it can be bad habits, just things that we just can't kick, and we know they're not God's best for us. And for some of us, they can be strongholds in our mind. They can be thought patterns and, and things that we know this just doesn't align with God. And, and my mind always goes here. The pictures look different for all of us, whatever they are. But I think the motivation to scroll past them, I, th I think the motivation to put a filter on it or to not let God deal with it, I, I think the motivation to do that may be universal. I think for the majority of people, the reason we're not always transparent with God 
could be because of guilt. Could just simply be because of shame. Because we know he's a holy God. He's a perfect God. And I'm so flawed. And I'm telling you, I'm there too. I'm talking, I'm talking about myself. The motivation, I think, for many of us is the same. We recognize that he's got this standard, and I'm just not there. And, and so it's so easy to just want to, well, let's just not deal with it, because I, I just don't have it together. I don't want to deal with it yet. And in one sense, that, that comes from a nice place, because you're like, well, I love God, and I want God to be happy with me, and I, so I don't want him to see how not good I am. But we remember what David said. He said, that's a no-go, though, because every day was already written, God already knows. So even though our pictures look different, even though we may all feel shame and guilt about these things, in light of all that, God still says come. In, in light of all of our flaws and all of our mess and all the times we've scrolled past it and we put a filter on, God still says, come. He says, I don't care. Come, come, come. Let's be close. Let's be close. Let's talk about it. Let's work through it. I'm going to be honest with you. There are some things that God has been working with me on for years. I mean, just years. And you know what? Because I'm a mess and I just mess it up. And we're still working on it, though. He's still working it out. He still says, come. And the reason he says, come is not because I'm great, because he knows. It's a mess sometimes. But because what Jesus did was great. The reason he says come is because when he looks at you, he sees the sacrifice. He sees the blood of Jesus. He sees holiness. He sees Jesus. Now, I know that that can be hard to swallow because sometimes we look so unlike Jesus but regardless of how we look, I'm about to show you, when God looks down, if he's your savior, he sees the blood. He sees that spotless blood, he sees you through eyes of love, and he says, come. Let's look at Hebrews 10, and I'm gonna take you through a couple scriptures in Hebrews, and then I'm gonna wrap it up. Hebrews is great because uh, it, it, it kind of makes the reality of how God sees us more real. Hebrews 10, 10 says, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once for all time. So if Jesus is your savior, if you've accepted him into your heart, God says, you're holy. The blood is there. Does that mean you're perfect? No. But it means that you can now have relationship. You can now come and he can sanctify you and he can work those things out. Holiness, sanctification, two different things. When you get saved, God says, the penalty is paid. The blood is paid. It. You're holy. You can come to me. But there's still a process, right? There's still a cleaning up. There's still a washing by the word that we have to go through. Once for all time. If he's yours, you're holy. When he looks at you, he says, come, not because you're great, but because you're holy. He says, come, not because you have it together, but because of the blood. Are you thankful for the blood? Because I am thankful for the blood. That's why we can do this. Let's look at another one, just a little bit further in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 14. It says, by that one offering, he made forever perfect those who are being made holy. Okay, that one offering did it. That one offering, the accepting that one gift did it. So he's not looking at you and saying, oh, flawed, oh, crazy, oh, failure. No, he sees the blood. 
And he's saying, come. Let's look at another one. I love this one. Hebrews 10, 17. Jesus, this is God speaking. And in light of all this about the blood, he goes on to say, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless deeds. I mean, that is just exciting. That when he looks at me, he's saying, come. Because of the blood, he's, he's, he's forgotten the failures. He just wants you to come. He just wants to work some things out. He just wants you to take the pictures. And not take the, take the filters off the pictures. He says, come. And then this last one, Hebrews 10, 19. Let's look at it in the Amplified Version. Therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells by means of the blood of Jesus. I mean, that just seals it there. You don't have to come with your tail between your legs. Okay, God, I'm taking the picture. I'm taking the filters off. Okay, God, I'm not scrolling fast. You don't have to come that way. You can come. I'm a mess. Here I am, right? Because he sees the blood. He sees the blood. We can have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells. And you can consider that we can have confidence when we come before him in prayer. We can have confidence when we come before him in worship. We can have confidence when we're sitting in our car and we're praying. We can have confidence and just let it all hang out because he sees the blood. I'm gonna wrap it up with just three things that you should do. Three things to take away from this, okay? Number one, allow God to have full view. No more untagging. No more untagging. Like, he sees it. Even if you take your name off the picture, like, he sees the whole thing. Every day was numbered. In spite of all of David's mess, we see in Psalm, which is like his diary, we see that he just, he let it hang out. And he let God do his work. Number two, after you let God have full view, listen to and obey the word and the Holy Spirit. Those two things are how God is gonna work in you. He's gonna use his word to wash you. He's gonna use his Holy Spirit to guide you. And this last one, if you don't get anything, get this, okay? I know you're gonna walk out of here and you're gonna be tempted, you know, to like come back to God the same way, just like with the fluff and the pretty. I know, I mean, that's just a temptation and we, we wanna hide, but... When you are tempted because of your shortcomings, remember God sees the blood. When you finally come to him with all of it, he sees the blood. He sees that sacrifice. He sees you as holy. He knows you're not perfect. He's gonna make you perfect. He's gonna sanctify you. But we can come with boldness. We can come transparent. And there's really no other way to come because he sees it all anyway. He see, he, why pretend? I mean, I understand why we want to pretend. We talked about that, guilt and shame, but let's just be real. Christian, put that scripture up one more time. Uh, 20, no, 139.16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life, the good days, the bad days, the days where I get it right, the days where I get it wrong, were recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So even though we're tempted to, to, to hide and scroll past, just don't, because he sees it. And he wants this. He wants to be close. He wants to see it all. And when he does see it all, 
He sees the blood. He sees the blood. He's not mad. He sees the blood. 